This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. My name is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. If you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, please give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And while on our website, click on the radio page to check out past shows and to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And as always, listeners, please reach out to us with any questions or to set up a face-to-face or virtual meeting. Now, if you're retired or close to it, there's a lot to consider. And a few of the main questions are, where do you want to live? Or do you want to work a few hours a week doing something fun? Or do you have enough necessary cash flow to maintain the kind of lifestyle that you want in retirement? These are all very big questions that require very good answers. However, there are some things about retirement preparation that fly under the radar. Now, one of the biggest under the radar questions that I get asked very often is, what I'm gonna do if I need to borrow money after I've clocked out of the office for the last time? And at first blush, a lot of folks may simply presume that borrowing money after retirement is impossible. I mean, after all, no income equals no loan, right? Well, truth be told, While getting a loan after you're done working can be a little more challenging, it's far from impossible. And that said, if you need a loan while you're retired, you're going to want to craft a plan that doesn't put your broader retirement strategy at risk. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get started, let me introduce my co-host, Tony Shore. How are you doing today, my friend? Oh, I am doing great. Thanks for asking, Nick, I, I've had a crazy week. It's been busy. Last weekend, uh, went to a wedding with my wife. My wife's cousin got married, and I was somewhat dreading it. I normally, I'm not a fan of weddings or funerals, but, you know, I'm an outlaw with a bunch of in-laws, but it was great. <laughs> it was good to see family. It was it was really good. So uh, that went well, and otherwise, I've just been busy. How about you? What's uh, What's happening in your world, Nick? Well, lots of uh, actually family events for us as well. Um, uh, my niece and nephew are getting ready to go back to college and, and my own kids are getting ready to go back to school. And so we've had uh, a nice kind of end of the summer with uh, lots of family visiting in town before that takes place. Well, sure. And I think it's uh, everybody, family's always great. And it seems like summertime is the perfect time uh, to, you know, get together with family and uh, try to take advantage. So uh, you know, I think you've hit on something uh, interesting here, uh, obviously, uh, for our topic today, finding money in retirement. I mean, how many folks, uh, well, considering their retirement, think they're going to need a loan just a few years in, right? Sure, exactly. That's a big topic that does come up for sure. And, you know, um, I think that I just wanted to mention to our listeners today that there are several options that may work for them if they're retired and they need a loan. Um, you know, so we're, we'll talk about a bunch of those today. The The first is a mortgage loan, which uses the home that uh, you're looking to buy as collateral. Uh, and for many retirees, this may be 
uh, tricky because of income requirements. However, depending on your asset allocation, this type of loan may not be out of reach. So another idea is a home equity loan. Um, and that's another potential option because with this one, you're borrowing against the equity that you've built up in your current home. And generally, a borrower needs to have between 15 and 20% equity in their home and a loan to value ratio of 80 to 85%, uh, as well as a credit score north of about 620 to qualify. Now, a third option is uh, a home equity line of credit. And uh, this is similar to a home equity loan. Uh, both of the loans are secured by your home, but a home equity loan gives you an upfront lump sum that you pay back over time with a fixed rate and payment, whereas uh, a line of credit is used only when you need it, and it generally has a variable interest rate and payments that are not fixed. So where does potentially refinancing your home fit into all this? Well, a cash out refi loan uh, allows you to refinance for more than you owe, but for less than your home's value. And so that extra amount becomes a secured cash loan. Be aware, however, listeners, though, that unless you're refinancing for a shorter term, you will end up increasing the amount of time that it's going to take you to pay off your mortgage. Now, another option is the reverse mortgage loan, and that supplies a regular income stream or a lump sum that's determined by the value of your home today. The loan is then paid back when the borrower dies or leaves the home. And so we're going to address reverse mortgages in far more detail later in the show because this is a large topic for many clients that, uh, that are retired. Sure it is. I mean, uh, that's huge. And uh, when you talk about housing and home loans and mortgages, what about auto loans, Nick? I would imagine that most people are going to purchase a new car at least once during retirement, right? Well, that's right. And you know, Tony, thankfully, auto loans aren't typically much of a hurdle for most retirees because the loan itself is secured by the vehicle that you're purchasing. Now, while buying new wheels uh, with cash means that you won't have to mess with paying interest, you should only do so if you're sure that buying a vehicle for cash is not going to drain your savings. I mean, in my opinion, cash is king, Tony, especially with low interest rates like we have today. Yeah. Yeah, it, most definitely. And, um, you know, it certainly makes sense to me that if a monthly auto payment is manageable, you could go that route rather than taking a big chunk of cash out of the bank, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, a debt co consolidation loan is also something that some retirees may benefit from. And listeners, this is an unsecured loan that may help you refinance your current debt load with a lower interest rate. But listeners, you should note that going this route may mean that it will take longer for you to pay off your debt, especially if it lowers your payments. Right. And if you're a retiree who may be in the market for a loan, working with an experienced financial services professional like yourself, Nick, I think that's a solid move. I think it can definitely uh, help and be a, uh, be a great resource to to retirees that are trying to consider a, you know taking advantage of that for sure. Now, another thing that older folks should be aware of is that if they still have student loans, failure to pay them off could mean that part of their Social Security benefits are withheld. Um, and if you have concerns about heading into retirement with student loans, you definitely want to discuss those um, and options for maybe a deferment or a forbearance with your financial services professional. Now, I should also mention that both unsecured loans and lines of credit may be other options for retirees. Though they're more difficult to get, they don't expose assets to risk. 
So you can utilize banks, credit unions, peer-to-peer -peer loans that are funded by investors, and credit cards with you know, low introductory an uh, annual rates. However, you'll want to be particularly careful with the last one. You should only take the credit card option if you know you can pay the entire thing off in the first year. And one other plug for why you may want to work with a financial services professional is any one of these options could be problematic for your retirement strategy. So you just want to be cognizant of that and, and how they can help you make decisions that aren't going to jeopardize the retirement that you've worked so hard to, uh, to achieve and have. Right. And, you know, I think you do want to work with somebody like yourself. And speaking of that, we should take a quick break. But before we do, let our listeners know how they can get that complimentary, no cost, no obligation consultation. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Once again, listeners, you can always visit our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com or give us a call at 541-773-9567 to, to, help, um, to help you obviously discuss how we might be able to uh, work with you in any financial situation that you have questions about. All right, that sounds great, Nick. And listeners, we're going to be right back with more conversation about how you may be able to find the money you need after you retire here on Jones Financial Talk with our host, Nick Jones. Wouldn't it be nice to have an owner's manual help you address and plan for retirement? The New World of Retirement by David Herstel Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions can help you plan for the retirement you've dreamt of and ease your financial concerns. The New World of Retirement will help you with the foundation you need for a successful retirement. Visit jonesfinancialtalk.com to request your complimentary copy today. That's jonesfinancialtalk.com. Welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. My name is Nick Jones with Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, please give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And as always, when you visit our website, please click on the radio page and check out some of our past shows with great topics that might interest you. You can always um, also subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Now, listeners, during the show today, we've been looking into some ways that you may be able to secure loans should you need them after you're retired. Right. And I think this has been a good one. You've really provided some good information and insights so far, Nick. What do you have for us next? Well, Tony, during uh, our first segment, we spoke briefly about reverse mortgages. And I mentioned that we're going to discuss those more in detail now. Um, and so, you know, it can sometimes seem like you can't get through a single night of channel surfing without seeing an actor from the 80s with a mustache um, trying to talk to you about a reverse mortgage, right? <laughs> right. Reverse mortgages. Um, and, and so, you know, today we're going to talk a little bit about those and, and see if they are really all they're cracked up to be. Um, so a reverse mortgage allows homeowners who are at least 62 to, cons to convert their home equity into income. And you may have guessed, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't look fondly on them. So I wanted to just take a little bit deeper dive and, and talk with you about some of the nuances. Like any other financial product, reverse mortgages may be a good solution for some people, but they aren't something that you should just jump right into. You, um, you definitely want to do a, a lot of research, take a lot of thought, and most importantly, probably have a lot of conversations with your financial advisor before 
before you go ahead and uh, get a reverse mortgage. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, reverse mortgages. I've always been fascinated uh, by reverse mortgages. I I can recall a time when I think thanks in large part to aggressive marketing, it seemed like here was the perfect financial solution for many people. And it had just fallen out of the heavens right into our laps. But (laughs) eventually there was some pushback. uh, And I guess, as you implied a moment ago, like a lot of financial tools, uh, it works really well for some people and doesn't work as well for others. Well, exactly, Tony. And, you know, while we're going to spend this segment examining some of the potential negatives with reverse mortgages, the truth is that if you've done your homework and you think that they might fit your specific situation, then by all means, definitely bring that case up when you're talking with your financial service professional. Now, one of the first warning bells uh, is that reverse mortgages might negatively affect the inheritance that you intend to leave to your loved ones. Because when a homeowner with a reverse mortgage passes away, their spouse or family would typically pay that loan off, which often means selling the house to generate those needed funds. And if the house sells for more than the remaining balance, then clearly the excess would go to the estate. On the flip side, if the home sells for less, then your heirs don't see a dime um, of the benefit of you having that mortgage. And FHA insurance has to make up that gap when there's a negative equity situation. So that's why you must pay mortgage insurance premiums when you take out a reverse mortgage to cover the possibility of something like that occurring. Right. And if I have this, let me see if I have this right. If you want to leave your house to somebody and you want a reverse mortgage, you really need to be certain that the people you want to leave the home to can actually pay off the loan. That is exactly right, Tony. And along those same lines, if you have people living with you, whether it's family or friends, and they're not on the loan's paperwork, they could be put in a very tough spot after your death. Additionally, people who live with you may be forced out of the home if you move out or are gone for more than a year because a reverse mortgage requires that the borrower lives in the home as their primary residence. And so, long story short, if the borrower passes away, sells the home, or moves out, the loan is due immediately. And so, one potential solution to get around this is to list the people who live with you on the paperwork as well. But, Tony, bear in mind that anyone under the age of 62 who lives with you is ineligible based based on to be listed as a borrower for a reverse mortgage. Right. Yeah. And I I think that that's uh, that's interesting again. And earlier in the segment, you mentioned the importance of working with the financial services professional if you're considering a reverse mortgage. But I think the point is really driven home uh, by the comments about what can happen if you have people living with you. I mean, that illustrates the the reason right there. You need to work with somebody who knows what they're talking about and can look at your personal situation before you make a decision. Exactly, exactly. Now, Tony, you know, medical bills are also a very common reason that many people seek a reverse mortgage. But again, there's a lot to consider with this specific move because while a reverse mortgage may provide the cash that you need to cover those bills, you have to stay healthy enough to continue making the home your primary residence. And so if your home, uh, or or I'm sorry, if your health situation worsens and you eventually end up needing long-term care and you move out of your home into a long-term care facility for more than 12 consecutive months, 
you're on the hook to repay that loan in full because your home is no longer your primary residence. And furthermore, on a yearly basis, borrowers have to certify in writing that the home that they have a reverse mortgage on is still their primary residence. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. So there are a lot of rules uh, that you need to be aware of if you're going to do this, but I can see where it would work really well depending on your situation. And also it seems to me if you're considering a reverse mortgage, you better plan to stay there a while. Exactly. That's a very, very important point because if you think that you might move relatively soon, whether for health reasons or by choice, a reverse mortgage probably is just not the smart play because of the significant upfront expenses like lender fees, um, the initial mortgage insurance costs, and then also the ongoing mortgage insurance premiums. And don't forget that closing costs like property title insurance, home appraisal bills, and inspection fees are also going to be built into those numbers. So if you have to suddenly leave your home or sell it, you may have you know a mere six months to repay the loan. And while it's true that you're entitled to any profits beyond what you owe on the loan, you'll already have shelled out potentially thousands of dollars just to have the opportunity to have that reverse mortgage in the first place. Ah, okay. So again, uh, it can be tricky. So you need to work with somebody who knows what they're doing like yourself, uh, a really uh, third party, a person who knows your overall finances. Uh, that's why it's so important to work with a financial planner and after this segment, I, I know I would have some significant reservations about a reverse mortgage. Well, and, and that's definitely fair, Tony, for sure. But I don't want to suggest that reverse mortgages are, are terrible. I mean, I as I said earlier, they are um, likely a very good solution for some folks, depending on their situation. And so I just want our listeners to know that a reverse mortgage isn't free money. It's uh, it's heavily regulated and it's there's lots of nuances to the product that should definitely be thoroughly researched before you make a final decision. What do you have for us in this final segment? Yeah, Tony. Well, you know, I just wanted listeners to, to obviously understand and know that, you know, things have changed a lot in retirement, especially because rates are so low. And so this has been just a huge, huge topic for many of our clients. Most people don't want to have debt when they are obviously in retirement. Right. But, uh, That's with true. rates this low, there's just various, various loans and ways that people can take advantage of those. Sure. And um, so one of those common ways is for retired folks to free up some extra money uh, by just downsizing. And we talk a lot about that as well because, oh yeah, you know, I mean, on the surface, downsizing seems pretty simple. Um, you sell your big house and you buy a smaller one and that lowers your utility bills and all your other expenses. But there are many, many mistakes that people make in retirement when they downsize. And so I want to talk about some of those hazards that are just waiting to kind of trip them up along their path to downsizing. Yeah. Yeah. Downsizing is obviously a big part of retiring for a lot of folks and a way to free up some extra cash to uh, live a better lifestyle in retirement. And uh, I think a lot of people do it, but it can be tough. I mean, there's more to downsizing than just, you know, putting up a for sale sign and taking a few trips to Goodwill, right? (laughs) So I'm, I'm intrigued. What do you have for us on this topic? Sure. Well, the first potential pitfall is overestimating what your home is worth. And I think plenty of people think that they're going to cash in when they sell their home. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when they see the the news all the time that's full of stories about soaring prices. Yeah. And Nick, that reminds me of uh, it's so many times 
we think our own stuff is worth more than it is, right? It's so <laughs> well, that's funny. exactly right. I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, I mean, when the house down the street fetches a, a very high sum, the dollar signs you see, you know, w- w- whenever that happens about selling your own home, become e- even more intoxicating, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, but you definitely really want to know and and think about, you know, what that house down the street netted because. Um, there are so many things that you're not maybe sure about how it compares to your own home, right? I mean, maybe those owners put in new windows or a new air conditioner before it hit the market. And you also don't want to forget to consider that uh, the market changes very, very often um, when you're thinking about real estate. I mean, they ebb and flow so quickly, uh, which means selling your home a year after the one that sold down the street, you know, could be in a totally different economic uh, environment than, than what happened, you know, when your neighbor sold. Right. And yeah, that's true. There, the circumstances might not be the same. It might seem like, oh, if that house is worth that, mine should be worth a, a ton. But uh, there are a lot of things to <laughs> take into consideration. And, you know, I, I know people um, who have benefited by bringing in a local real estate agent to give them an honest assessment of their home's current condition and market value. And I think that's a must if you're going to downsize. Definitely. Um, you know, because uh, a seasoned real estate pro can obviously help evaluate your home and can give you some advice about some fairly easy and cheap ways to kind of spruce up your your current home that could make it much more attractive once you put the for sale sign up front. And so, you know, you definitely want to take their advice and and figure out how to get the most bang for your buck. Now, the next potential stumbling block is underestimating what your next home is going to run you because everyone hopes to find their next dream home at an even dreamier price, right? Um, But are you ready to get into a bidding war? Because sometimes that's exactly what happens when you decide to sell. And you really need to consider, you know, where you want to live, uh, different communities, uh, or find that exact preferred town or city that's in your actual new price range. Well, right, Nick, and uh, you really have to look at that. You want to make sure it's in your price range. You need to know what your price range is, and that's why I think you should work with a financial professional. Uh, But what should a person do to make sure they don't end up with a bad case of sticker shock? The, The main thing I'd say, Tony, is sweat equity and research, right? Research, research, research. You want to look at um, several months of purchase prices in the areas that you're most interested in. And if you're looking to move a significant distance from your current home, you want to make sure that you spend a lot of time in that new uh, potential community uh, and also do that during different seasons of the year. You want to make sure that the community is everything that you thought it would be. And, you know, when it comes to buying your next home, especially if you're retired, you know, impulsiveness can be a very, very dangerous, dangerous thing. And as for the home itself, just be aware of any add-ons that can drive up the price in a hurry. If, um, if you're purchasing a nicely priced condo that's under construction, agreeing to the latest and greatest appliances and other amenities can rocket you and your financial strategy well past the initial price estimate that you thought you were going to be buying it for. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, and, and I have to admit, you know, you're talking about add-ons. I've never given things like add-ons uh, much thought. But after your explanation there, it's easy to see what they could do to your bottom line. 
Yes, and you know, another potential downside to downsizing is forgetting to adequately consider the tax implications of doing that. And you know, today the IRS currently allows most couples to exclude as much as half a million dollar in gains from their taxable income when they sell their home. And a single person can typically exclude as much as 250,000 um, um, you know, if they sell their home with a gain. Now, among many other factors, uh, the rules that the IRS has in place need to be considered. Um, and one of those main things is how long you've lived in your home. Um, today, it's two out of five years is what's required. Uh, and, and there's other other options and, and things that you really want to take a look at. Um, the best resource for that is IRS publication 523 that's titled Selling Your Home and How That's Going to Affect Your Taxes. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously uh, that's huge. Selling your home in a way that minimizes your tax burden, it strikes me as another great reason to work with a financial services professional like yourself, right? Definitely. And, you know, th these topics that we've talked about today um, are, are huge topics and main topics that we talk with most of our clients about when they come in for, you know, their, their annual, biannual or quarterly reviews. And, um, you know, another thing that I wanted to mention to our to our listeners is, um, you know, they need to definitely um, think about when they downsize and think about what those closing costs are going to be. You know, selling your house uh, is important. It's a big step. So don't do it lightly and talk to your financial services professional. Uh, and, uh, you know, I you have to remember closing costs. I, I've been there and done that. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if you're downsizing and you're going to sell a house and buy a house, then there's two transactions that take place. Right. And so when it comes to closing costs, you're, you're likely looking at legal fees, recording fees, title insurance and a healthy list of other various charges. And so you're going to be faced with closing costs on both sides, like I mentioned, as a buyer and a seller. And also don't forget about the commissions to the realtor, which could be as high as six percent. And so, you know, I just want people to really think through what those details could be. And I know it sounds like a lot, but um, you definitely can, can can prepare yourself for those as long as you are aware of them. And that's the purpose of what we've kind of talked about here uh, on this last se se segment here. Well, yeah, and I think it's been a great show, but we're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we go, Nick? Well, as always, if, if listeners are interested in discussing this topic or, or any others about retirement, I just encourage them to give us a call at 541-773-9567. Or as always, they can uh, reach us on our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. All right. Thanks, Nick. And that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk with our host, Nick Jones. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones, Herstel Jones, and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented 
presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.